watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movies. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have four movies for you. Bottoms, Cassandro, Fair Play, and No One Will Save You. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... Life is too short for that mess. And also too short for recording uh, episodes more frequently than bi-monthly. Which I I think is what we're averaging. Whoops. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm just happy to be here. But you know what? I'm going to come from an attitude of gratitude as well. Um, And just be grateful that we're doing this now. And honestly, the last two months have been a big snooze movie-wise. There's not a lot coming out, guys. I mean, the movie that we're leaving the episode with is like two years old by this point. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we feel we'd be remiss if we didn't review it. But but yeah, you know, we're we're here and we want to get one more episode in before all the prestige movies start to come pouring into theaters in the next few weeks so that we can review them in March. So, uh, with that said, we've of already, 2025. You know, we've, we've, of 2025. So marketing your calendars and, uh, and then we'll just get right into it now because as we've said, time, time, she's a flying. She's fine. Here's the, here's the other thing. There are so yeah. many more podcasts now than when we first started that people just <laughs> don't have time to listen to us. People are listening to all sorts of, all sorts of people talking and, you know, we just got to stay when, in our lane. When we, and... this sh- when we started this show, there were maybe like three other podcasts. Like, it was not a lot. We mm-hmm. were, we were. There was Joe Rogan. We really, yeah, it was us. It was old Joey R. Wars. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, and that might be it. Maybe some this NPR American thing. Life. This, yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And of course, like all of us, like we have a lot of fondness for each other across mm-hmm. those different teams, mm-hmm. like as like the OGs of the form. And mm-hmm. like we all wish each other well, and we all know that like we're the people who originated this art form. Mm-hmm. But with that said, like some of us are more gracious than others about letting all the new kids take over. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. we're just like, listen, we know what we're doing here, Joe. Mm, I don't know. And some of us uh, have drifted apart over the years, but I'm 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 so glad that um, the the crew over at Infowars and um, Alex is just mm-hmm. still keeps in touch. Um, love yeah. that. No, no. I mean, like, if I With did you. not get his, <laughs> if I did not get his, like, rambling conspiracy filled Christmas letters every year, mm. I would feel like it wasn't Christmas. Yeah. You know, I might as well just like, take down the tree now. So, <laughs> but uh, with that, with that all said, we're happy for those of you who stayed with us low these many years and uh, and with us again for this new episode right now. Movie number one, <laughs> Bottoms. <laughs> Unpopular best friends, PJ and Josie. Start a high school fight club to meet girls and lose their virginity. They soon find themselves in over their heads when the most popular students start beating each other up in the name of self-defense. Jason, this is another high school movie. You love the high school movies. But Mm. this one is like a satire of the high school movies in a way that is even a satire of the ones that we've seen that are satires. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, it's a real double bind. Uh, really, really, it's like it's 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 an inception. Uh, there's so many layers of, of of commentary and uh and and meta irony applied to this very film, which makes it pretty absurd. I, and I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna beat you to the punch. It reminds me of Strangers with Candy. 
Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it definitely has that sort of deadpan uh, quality to it, especially with candy, of having that that absurdism, but having the absurdism go completely unacknowledged mm-hmm. uh, by the characters, um, uh, and just having that complete, just sort of unaware blank tone um, uh, as it just gradually tone. escalates mm-hmm. the absurdity. <laughs> oh, mm, ah, mm, there she is, <laughs> a blank stare. Uh, also, <laughs> the uh, the predatory female leads. Mm-hmm. and unawares That's school staff <laughs> you know that that show had principal blackman this has marshawn lynch there you go uh, two sides uh, of the same wonderful coin and since i mentioned him we can go ahead and say now that marshawn lynch is the funniest part of this movie absolutely hands down he is wonderful Oof. wow who knew <laughs> I, I saw him on a show there was like a, a a short show i think it was like early covid that was maybe on netflix with will arnett and have you seen mm. it it's like um the setup was that he's a detective and each episode has like a guest star um marshall lynch was one of them and like they the guest stars don't know what's going on and everything's like ad-libbed and oh. so they're trying to solve this mystery together and he was just hilarious <laughs> but I feel like nobody I mean, watched that sh- that like little show. So I did. I did not watch it, but it makes me want to go and watch the episode just because the strength of his performance in this film is uh, is very strong. It's a very strong performance. Uh, this is the second film um, from Emma Seligman, the director of Shiva Baby, which we also reviewed on this very show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you? How would you compare these two films? Like, do you can you can you tell that this is the same creative team of of Seligman and Rachel Senat uh, at work? Ooh, no. I mean, that, this this feels different. Uh, Shiva Baby, I mean, obviously, they both star uh, Rachel Sinat, so that, that makes it like pretty <laughs> sure. uh, straightforward comparison. But um, I feel like Shiva Baby was was definitely more tethered to reality. Um, it that, you know, that reminded me more of girls. It 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 didn't seem as um, over the top or as as tongue in cheek, maybe uh, as as mm-hmm. this one. It, that's just like much more of an ensemble mm-hmm. hilarity moment. Yes. Do you see? Did you think they were similar? Um. No. No. I. I, I would agree. I, I think that yeah. Tonally, they're so they're just very different. You know, Shiva Baby was a very sort of claustrophobic miniature kind of satire, and this is a very kind of purposefully like maximalist mm-hmm. over the top. Um, you know, sort of gender, sexuality, satire. So they both played with gender and sexuality, but in very different ways. Uh, so, so let's just get right into that element of the film because I certainly have been asked by a number of listeners when we were going to review this movie, and you know, a lot of the sort of narrative around this movie is that this is a, this is the first time that lesbians get to be dirtbags too. <laughs> <laughs> is it? So your 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 yes. Your your comment on that, Rebecca. Is this the first time lesbians have been dirtbags? Uh that doesn't feel right. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say there have been other times. Um, I mean, does Bound count? Ooh, does Bound count? That's a good question. That's a good. That's a time that lesbians were being antiheroes. Um, mm-hmm. Although at the same time, they were still sympathetic because the guys that they were ripping off were like the homicidal mobsters. So they were not. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. So well, I guess case... there's no time like the present to Google predatory lesbians <laughs> <laughs> and 
and everyone just hope you don't show up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly, I mean, certainly the the archetype of the you know the sort of the female prison warden is is one of the most you know sort of go to Halloween costumes for me. Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to Cassandra later. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, no, this this you know, in the not even so much as oh, predatory as just. <laughs> what are we thinking? What are we thinking? What year is it? Come what was on. just that last year this time? How soon but, okay. you forget the movie we've seen four times? <laughs> so interesting. So you know, so where where do you think Lydia Tar would fit into this high school? You know, where do you the music where teacher? Do we think- um, <laughs> where does Lydia Tar fall into this? Mm. Wow. This is a universe mm-hmm. crossover I want to see. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it. I mean, it feels very much like. Um, wow. It feels maybe like a grown-up version of the Rachel Sanat character of PJ, um, mm-hmm. if she didn't have a Josie to mm-hmm. kind of talk her off of the like um, entitled. Right. smarmy um like you know blame others for for your issues um person so yeah mm-hmm. i guess i guess pj would grow up to be a uh a, a lydia tar i can see that and we did you know in tar we do get a glimpse of of who lydia tar was in high school right, uh, right. or you know or is this or maybe had it's interesting because part of me wonders if lydia tar had had a fight club then perhaps that would have become like an outlet for her aggression and she would have been more well-adjusted as an adult. Mm, mm. But then part of me also wonders if maybe she did have a fight club and that's why she tackled that guy at the podium. <laughs> uh, that's how that she was, knew what to do. Mm-hmm, she just let her instincts kick in from high school. Um, and she was like, it's time. It's time for me to just do that. Time for me to be PJ again. And I and I, and I feel like the predatory thing here goes, or the, the third bag thing here goes beyond just predatory into them also just being like, skeezy horny losers uh who are essentially playing like if you read that synopsis again uh without like female pronouns it sounds like generations of high school Mm -hmm. movies about dirtbag teenage boys and so that supposedly is sort of the great revelation of bottoms is that it is now a movie where lesbian teens get to just be as like flagrantly irredeemable dirtbags <laughs> as teenage boys have been in every high school movie for the last, you know, 40, 50 years. Look, who among us has not <laughs> run a scheme to meet girls in high school or freshman year of college? Because I sure did. I pretended I had to do a survey for a class I wasn't taking and went around oh. and asked all of the, the women on my floor some questions I made up that I thought fit in that class just so that I could talk to one person. I forgot that that happened until just this moment. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and was that, how did that go? It went well. <laughs> You're like, we're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that well, but it went, um, you know, <laughs> Midwest college. Well, Wow. Mm-hmm. And and so and so like mm-hmm. what did and did you cook up this plan on your own? Are you saying that you wish you had an Iowa Debris to like balance you out? Do of you see course. yourself as a, as a PJ? Of yeah. Of course. And I mean I think when you said the funniest performance, I we also cannot fail to mention uh Punky Johnson, who oh, yes. uh plays this um sort of sage like figure. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> older lesbian who gives advice to uh, Josie, and is that is one of the funniest moments of, of the movie, hands down. Yeah, she's very she's very funny. Did I tell you that I saw Iggy Pop at the Palladium here in LA a few months ago, and Punky opened for him and did the entire set topless? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, you did not. Yeah. It's something that sometimes I'm just like, did I dream that? <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> she came out in just like a t-shirt and a sports bra. And then the t-shirt came off and the sports bra came off. And she was like, listen, she's like, Iggy, Iggy is punk rock. And I'm going to be punk rock right now. And I'm going to do it like this. And we're like, huh. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> it Wonderful. Was, it was bold. So endless respect for Punky for doing that. And mm-hmm. also for being so very funny in this movie. And also... Iowa Debris in this is truly like it is it is a standout performance. It is. It is. Uh, it is her year. Yes, it is her year. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, OK, so you so you you were a PJ <laughs> is, is is the revelation of this of this of this review so far. Some, something like something like that. <laughs> something like that. Um, and yeah. so as you were watching the scheme be concocted in this movie, like mm-hmm. it didn't like it didn't like trigger some sort of like scheme planning part of your own brain. To be like, <laughs> You're like, no. this is a good grift. No, I, I, you know, immediately they got in over their heads. Um, you, nah. you can't, you, you can't get over your heads with the lies. It's you got to keep one tiny lie, and then everything else has to be real. Mm, they went too okay. big. They, yes. they went. They went too big. See, it sounds like they. It sounds like there's another elder lesbian they should have consulted in this uh, beyond <laughs> just Funky Johnson. <laughs> mm-hmm, indeed. Well, yes, and then and then they. Before you know it, they are having these full-blown uh, fight club meetings uh, with with a lot of very intense face punching. Mm-hmm. Um, and before you know it, uh, people are saying this is second wave feminism all over again. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, your thoughts on the uh, on the foot the football players of the team who are the uh, so the antagonists of this movie? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, the one is now like gay royalty because he went on to be in, uh, red, white, and royal blue, uh, literally where he plays a, royalty. Yes. Where he plays royalty. Um, and yes, and them, them wearing their football uniforms at all times is part of the strangers of candy mm-hmm. heightened absurdist element of the film, as well as I would like to think a nod to Kevin, the quarterback from Daria, who I believe was also <laughs> always wearing, yes. um, his, his football pads. Uh, no, they were, I mean, they were funny. Everyone was funny. You know, I, I would say that in general, I thought this movie was, it was, you know, it was clearly very funny. It was fresh. Um, you know, there were elements of it from a high school movie perspective that I wish it would have almost gone harder on. Like, I felt like it, it did, you know, make a lot of, it had a lot of fun with the tropes, but then at the same time, it really just like stuck to them for the overall like structure of the story, Mm -hmm. um, including the sort of like, you know, it, it, there were some that it took kind of seriously, um, especially sort of getting onto the final act in terms of these sort of like tender moments between the characters and in, you know, these sort of, you know, uh, moments of, of vulnerability, um, especially involving Cindy Crawford's daughter, Kaya Gerber and her character. Oh, is that uh, Cindy Crawford's looks, daughter? Did you did you not notice that she looks exactly like her? Well, now that you say it, yeah, I can't see it. Yeah, that makes sense. She she, yeah. she does mm-hmm. look a lot. It was a lot like her. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, so, so there were elements that I was like, okay, well now I feel like the movie is almost kind of like drinking its own kind of Kool-Aid in terms of just like, okay, well now it's kind of becoming just another teen movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there were elements of that, but then fortunately the finale is so very batshit, uh, uh, that it sort of, um, blows it all up, if you will. 
uh, uh, and sort of redeems itself, um, despite a few moments where it seemed like it was kind of just going to succumb to the same cliches of the movies that it was kind of sending up. Yeah, I think I think that's that's it comes the finale and it's um, grand grandness of it come right at mm-hmm. the right time. Yeah, it sort of becomes like the anchor fight scene from Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> the best way I can put it for the finale. So. Um, did you see Theater Camp? I did see Theater Camp, yes. Uh, I know it's not on the official list, but just thinking about the, <laughs> the year of I.O. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Quick, quick thoughts? Yeah, I, I liked Theater Camp, generally speaking. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed Molly Gordon quite a bit, who was also in Shiva Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ben Platt finally figured out the way to be likable is to just openly be unlikable. Yes, uh, yes. It's, it's like him playing an unlikable character suddenly unlocks something. It's like, oh, now I get you. Okay, just just be this. Yeah. <laughs> this is who you are. And, you know, if I had the courage he has to get his hairy shoulders out for the world to see and wow. be over for all you hoes, I mean, <laughs> that <wow>. was. <laughs> A moment. That, that was, was a, a moment. Uh, that was like the jaw drop of the year. It was like nothing Oppenheimer couldn't touch <laughs> the reveal of Ben Platt's <laughs> Can you imagine if Celine? Okay, wait. Um, just covered in hair. Um, <laughs> connecting, connecting. Um, the actors, the timing, and the fact that Amy Sedaris is in theater camp. Mm, I mm. do feel like this group of of comedians, writers, uh, actors, directors, I don't know that it's been mentioned in any interviews, but the influence from Stranger with Candy is like, it feels pretty, pretty clear. Yeah, I'd certainly like to think so. Um, and I, I mean, for my money, one of the funniest parts in all of theater camp is like, in the middle of the credits, when they show Amy Sedaris, his character sit up and wake up out of her coma and go, don't let my son run the game! <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, I think, you know, theater can't clearly, you know, you if you're going to hire Amy Sedaris for a movie like that, then you must be a fan of hers. And of right. course, her most signature character is Jerry Blank. Um, and then, I mean, most of theater camp was improvised as well. So there's that. Uh, oh. which, you know, makes the extent to which it succeeds all the more impressive. And I mean, for me, I, Theater Camp is really an update to a movie that I loved 20 years ago Wet called Hot Camp. American. Oh, <laughs> not Wet Hot American yeah, there, Summer. Yes. Uh, I mean, there are elements of that, but no, there's a movie called Camp. Um, it was actually Anna Kendrick's first movie. And it was very similarly, it was it was a movie about like a very sort of like queer leaning musical theater summer camp, which is redundant to say. <laughs> Let's just say a musical theater summer camp um, in like the Adirondacks. Um, and, uh, it was, it was not played like a mockumentary the way that this one is. And it's told more from the campers perspectives instead of the, uh, counselors. Uh, but like, they're very, very, very similar movies. So if anyone enjoyed theater camp, I would also recommend going out and finding camp. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, but, but theater camp and bottoms have definitely sort of been a, a, a pair this year. They have both, um, you know, done a lot of queer representation, um, in, in expected ways in theater camp <laughs> and in unexpected <laughs> ways in bottoms. But, you know, but both are done with, um, you know, sort of a lot of a lot of humor and, and, and wit. And uh, do you have a, a favorite movie between the two, Rebecca? Ooh, I mean, I think theater camp stands out just because it, it you know, Ben Platt does put a, a very clear target when I say, like, I don't like musicals. I d- like what that means. He, he acknowledges and personifies all the worst things about Mus- musical culture 
um, mm -hmm. in a way that is just um, no need for words. He, he carries it all on his uh, hairy, shoulders. Hairy shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Back to bottoms. Uh, what are you giving this mm -hmm, one? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a binge yet. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, it's a, it's a fun comedy and uh, it does some unexpected things. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I mean, that's one of the things about representation is that, you know, the true mark of representation is when it doesn't have to be positive, uh, you know, whenever <laughs> it can just be like where there's no need to try to redeem these lesbian characters. Uh, you know, they're, they're the fact that they are just openly dirtbags is is itself the achievement. Uh, mm -hmm. So so I've got to give it a binge it. Yeah. Uh, same here. Also giving it a binge it. Um, yeah. I mean, it shows that um, you can you can make them dirtbags because we all know. That that is just not the way things are, except for those of us who do know that that's how the way things are. That's how. Otherwise, completely fictitious. Uh, it's rated VOD. It's rated R, and it's available on VOD. I'm all twisted. Um, movie number two, <laughs> Cassandra. Saul Armendariz, a homosexual amateur wrestler from El Paso, Texas, rises to international stardom when he creates the character of Cassandra the Liberace of Lucha Libre. He upends not just the macho wrestling world, but his own life. Oh, I've yes. done enough. <laughs> that was a tongue twister. That's what I was saying. The Liberace <laughs> of Lucha Libre. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's a lot to say. And uh, it's, it's, it, it hits, it hits as a, you know, as a, a, a turn phrase. Uh, it's his alliteration. I'm, mm, I'm a fan of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm also a fan of the idea of you and Soul going as Cassandra and his trainer for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> so I will just try to. Just uh, try to too late that. because we're already getting out our Blackbeard and Steed costumes. Um. Ma'am, that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, I can't see any photos. It's going to ruin the show for me. <laughs> I can't. You're Don't shitting show me. me. Don't show me. <laughs> You're shitting me. You're doing that too. Um, I mean, uh, between like growing out his beard as we, as we speak, and really very concerned that it's all salt and no pepper. Uh, well, I mean, so is, so is Blackbeard's really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Please don't share any photos. You're going to ruin everything. For us. <laughs> Trust Holy me. shit. Well, no, I'm so excited that you love the show, too. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Between that and Good Omens, it is like it is just a fan fiction factory over here. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're not watching Good Omens, but the new season of Our Flight Means Death is so fucking good. I can't with I, this new season is. It's too when you were saying that about like um, the true um, sign of representation about bottoms. Mm. I mean, the other side of representation is this, like, just give us everything we want <laughs> without <laughs> having to pay any price for it. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's a treat. It's a treat. Oh, my I can't God. wait to tell Scott. And don't worry. I will, we won't post any photos. Well, I'll, I'll warn you. <laughs> I, I'll just not look at I mean, listen, there's nothing saying that you guys won't do better than we will. Uh, but, <laughs> to, to be fair, I don't this... know that we'll actually do it because I don't know that we'll be doing anything for Halloween. Um, and it's always like a big thing to get me to do a costume so 
<laughs> but well, uh, I will again point to the characters in this film because I'm sure you were eyeing a number of those shirts that uh, Gael Garcia Bernal was wearing. <laughs> I mean, when he comes out in the in the in the red one, he looks just like when Steed comes out from the haunted the haunted <laughs> suit. <laughs> I know, just whipping that cape around. <laughs> I, for a hot second, I thought uh, the the trainer in this movie was uh, was Jim, but then it was like, oh no, yes. that's the that's the lesbian from um, the. Uh, Baseball movie, baseball TV show. Right. Yeah, yes. League of the Room. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, everything's yeah, getting confused. All of my <laughs> yeah, Latinx like, queers are just overlapping. <laughs> I can't keep track. Say, there's too many. There's too many. <laughs> no, that's not what I said. <laughs> that's not what I said. Yeah, like, what I'm saying is I can't keep them all straight. Nope, nope. Also, not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I I do fucking love Roberta Calindres, the actress who is a police trainer in this and was on League of Their Own. She was on Girls. She was on mm. Vita. Uh, like she, her track record, like nearly she has not done a lot, but everything she's done, I have watched and I've been a big <laughs> fan of. And like the the scene where her and Gael Garcia Bernal go out to a gay bar, I could have watched those two tear up at a gay bar all night. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, 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 truly. Uh, but yes, so Cassandro, here we are. Uh, oh, yeah, she was, was on Girls. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes, yes. We're that. actually doing a Girls rewatch right now. Oh. Uh, we, we just got to the beginning of season four when Hannah's about to go to Iowa. Uh, oh. Yes, yes. Uh, so Speaking of Halloween costumes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Throwback. Uh, but yes, so I was not familiar with like, the, I was familiar with like Lucha Libre because of that fucking Jack Black movie, okay. uh, which I didn't think I, which I don't think I ever watched. It's a way to, uh, way to he, something to admit. <laughs> I don't think I ever watched it. But I was just became like aware of it through that movie, whenever that came out. That was when I found out about the whole sort of like subculture of Lucha Libres and Mexican wrestling and um, you know, and then I, so I was familiar with that. I was not familiar with the exotico type, which is certainly fascinating, uh, you know, in the sense that it's, it's this, you know, essentially just like a, a, an effeminate gay sort of stereotype that is there for the crowd to jeer and then to be like savagely beaten by like a big macho competitor to the crowd's delight. Uh, you know, so I'm just like, okay, like, yes, I've been to high school. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've already been through this. Uh, were you, were you, were you familiar at all with that? I was, I was familiar with it, um, in that it existed. I think when, once we went to Mexico and, uh, a group of our friends went to go see, um, a show, but in the same way that I know absolutely nothing about American wrestling, um, WW. Mm-hmm. W- F E, I don't know. And there are also more. Um, and I'm always surprised when people that I know, like, do know about it, um, both like now <laughs> right. and before, like when we were growing up. I mean, I, everyone knows about step into a slim gym. Everyone sure, knows about the pillows that look like the wrestlers that were very popular <laughs> when we were young. But I, I never, I've never watched one thing of it. And so, in in that way, I don't know anything about wrestling here or abroad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Got it. Yeah, no, this 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 was this was new to me. I was also surprised when I realized this movie seemed to be taking place in the present tense. Like I I, I thought this was like the 70s or something. Um, it was like the 90s, no? Realized, or is it supposed to be the 90s? I couldn't even tell because there were there were moments like I was surprised I think, by his mother's like acceptance of him. And there was elements of it that seem more more modern. Um, but yeah, the 90s, the 90s would also make sense. I don't think I saw anybody with like cell phones or anything. 
Um, Cassandra's still alive. Yeah, yeah, I know it's based on a real person. Um, I did not do a lot of research into it, but I did hear Ashley was telling me that, like, I guess he was, like, super involved with the making of the movie and had a lot of sort of, like, creative input and control over how things turned out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess if so. it, it must have been, like, in the early 90s. But yeah, uh, and, and it's, it's, also, it's worth flagging at this point that the the director of this film, Roger Ross Williams, is a, a, an incredibly prolific documentarian mm-hmm. um, who in recent years alone has made like he made Love to Love You, Donna, the Donna Summer documentary on HBO. Um, he has a, he has the directing credit on the Supermodels, the Apple TV Plus docuseries. Uh, like he has been incredibly active and he doesn't really do a lot of scripted. So it's curious. Um, I, 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 from what I could tell, I think this is his feature debut as like a director of a scripted mm. feature. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I, I do wonder what this would have looked like as a documentary. And I wonder if maybe that's how it was originally conceived when he mm. got involved. Um, but, you know, for what it is, it is now a scripted feature. And I think it has so much sort of rich thematic content to sort of dig into in terms of in terms of gender in terms of homophobia uh in terms of you know we have like you know just these different sort of storylines of uh, uh cassandro or raul or saul rather saul's father having abandoned the family we have saul has like a closeted married boyfriend uh we have this sort of you know, the larger commentary on sort of like, you know, machismo and Mexican culture, uh, you know, sort of the micro stuff about, okay, this, this, you know, more famous wrestler, uh, son of, what is it? Del Santo, Hijo del Santo. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot here. Um, I, I don't know that I feel like the, the, the writing is up to snuff to really do to address all of it well. Or impactfully, but but for me, uh, the film works to the extent that it does because the performances are so great. Oh uh, my god! I mean, if it was was if it is, if it is the first um, non-documentary film uh, that this director has made, then I think the pairing of of that with Gael Garcia Bernal is perfect because mm-hmm. he he seems like an actor that doesn't need to be directed much. He is just stunning. What a mm-hmm. what an amazing, energetic, uh, respectful, and flamboyant performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It is. It is. You just you just fall in love with him watching him in this movie. I feel like this is the most I've I've ever really connected with him emotionally in a in a role because he has so much to play. I feel like he tends to get cast in roles that are. <clears throat> a bit more maybe aloof or a mm. little sort of, you know, uh, it, it, inscrutable uh, or dramatic. Uh, I mean, certainly his breakout role in Nitu Mama Tambien was, you know, a goofball kind of young horn dog. Uh, but, you know, but also that character by design was sort of very emotionally immature. Um, whereas this character contains multitudes uh, that that Gagasse Bernal just just conveys so beautifully. Um, and again, I would say that like the script does not meet him halfway a lot of the time. Uh, there's a number of sort of like unexpected pivots or sort of to me at least a kind of un- just abrupt transitions. And, you know, and he just navigates them all so beautifully. Um, and he, play- he plays incredibly off everybody else 
all of his scene partners, the way he plays the wrestling scenes, just like the the mm-hmm. sort of like little mini mini melodramas of these wrestling matches where he has to play these arc of, you know, being like kind of like timid, but then suddenly flamboyant and then and then buoyed by the audience's booing and puffed up like a proud villain. But then he's going to strut his little ass and make them fall in love with him. And then, you know, just like the sort of the push pull with the the macho wrestlers he's fighting, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of like doing little like come on moves. And, uh, you know, he, he's just like it's just incredible. It's just a knockout, if you will, performance from him um, across the board that that makes the whole movie worth watching. Um, and by that, you mean you really enjoyed watching him kiss Bad Bunny? <laughs> sure. Yes. Um, Bad Bunny uh, is a beautiful man. And uh, <laughs> and although I've been led to believe there was like more between them in this movie than there ended up being. Um, right. We all but... saw the video that was like, Bad <laughs> yes. Bunny kisses. <laughs> exactly. And then I was like, oh, it's, it's not really it's not really like an erotic moment in Mm-mm. the film. Um, you know, it's a little it's a little, uh, you know, a little cringe. Um, but you know, but yeah, I mean, it's like, if I'm his character, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Saul in that moment, then I'm also going in for that, like, you know, a kiss, like the kind of like the dirtbag straight guy who's been tasked with like following me around, like giving me Coke and making me happy. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, great, <laughs> happy to do it. Let's go. Uh, so no, 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 no blame or shame from me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, this movie also is just, it, I mean, it looks beautifully. It's the cinematography is beautiful. Just it really like the, is. Like it's like just from the very opening shot of 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 Saul uh, walking down an alley, um, you know, uh, in his little like Rebecca Olarte brand like button down shirt, and <laughs> and um, you know just getting ready to go in for a a, a, a fight. Uh, oh, and also Ra- Raul Castillo uh, playing the married boyfriend. Uh, of course, we love from Looking. <laughs> I do. It's um, always that guy from Looking. <laughs> the guy from Looking is back again. <laughs> Uh, we last saw him in that like gay military boot camp movie last year, the inspection. Uh, and now again in this and, uh, and he really, I mean, he, he really has the corner. I'm playing these sort of like gruff semi closeted guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, and he does it well, he does it well. Um, so, but no, I mean, and again, Roberta Calindres, just, just fantastic. Just what a presence, like a, a perfect foil to Gael's character. And I could have watched them for all, for all night long. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, any other, I, any other thoughts on this one? Yeah. I, I didn't quite pick up on the, the, the turns that you mentioned to me, it seemed like a mm-hmm. pretty straightforward kind of like segment in time of, um, of this wrestler's life from kind of like right at the end of being super amateur to being noticed to being popular, his own personal struggles with his sexuality and relationship, um, with women and his mother and, um, and then, you know, kind of insisting on being himself and insisting on not, you know, uh, succumbing to the exotic always losing and making that happen. And then you kind of, it kind of caps off with like a, a, a brief um, interview <laughs> that he does with uh, the, the wrestler mm-hmm. Son of Santo, mm-hmm. which was real. Um, mm-hmm. You can find it on YouTube. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I it, yeah. yeah to me it seemed like a pretty straightforward like you know um telling of a of a time and, and place and mm-hmm. um again yeah the performances were beautiful uh the cinematography you know it's a lot of you know dark and light and 
they it just captures it all wonderfully. I think they do, they also do a little moment where it's it's as though it's captured on how you would see it on TV at the time. I thought that was that mm-hmm. was pretty great. Um, yeah, this one is definitely a binge it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think for me, like the the abruptness for me was sort of like there were certain scenes. There were some of the wrestling scenes where sort of like the crowd suddenly going from like for to against or or back were not as convincing. There's some stuff with his mom that felt very abrupt to me. And to your point, I feel like a lot of the biopic elements that were very like by the numbers and not particularly inspired in how they were handled. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just very, as you said, straightforward. Um, so I think I think it's a the story being told is, is a remarkable story and there are remarkable elements to the film in terms of the performances and some of the the, the craft. But um, it's a consume for me, uh, but still one I'd recommend people watch just to see Gael's performance. Mm. Uh, it's streaming on Prime Video exclusively and it is rated R. Movie number three, Fair Play. An unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a newly engaged couple's relationship to the brink. What's so funny? So, <laughs> do you want to guess which 30 Rock episode I'm going to compare this movie to? Uh, everyone that they talk about. Um, oh, wait. No, I don't know. Good. When Liz gets promoted to like microwave programming. Button <laughs> 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 classic. We're crushing it. Uh, uh, this, this whole movie was like Liz business drunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just like the relationship between uh, between the Emily character and like the old, and the boss was very like Liz and Jack. To oh, me. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. Which I guess makes the makes the guy uh, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie also to me felt like uh, sort of a it felt like a, a, an honest telling of the Devil Wears Prada uh, in the sense that for for years people gradually began to sort of notice that the true villain in the Devil Wears Prada is a character who's actually posited more as a hero, which is Adrian Grenier and Hathaway's boyfriend. Uh, because as mm. she like goes down her her sort of like rabbit hole with Miranda Priestley of uh, becoming her sort of her her right hand man, and she's sacrificing more and more of her life to meet Miranda's every whim and to you know do the role of this job, she has this like piece of shit boyfriend basically nagging her, undermining her, gaslighting her, basically you know telling her that like she's losing herself, she's losing what matters him, um, all in the interest of this professional pursuit, as if that shouldn't matter. Um, and over the years, like there's been more and more of this sort of like this, 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 this narrative of like, oh, actually, Adrienne Grenier is like the villain of the Double Wears Prada. And I feel like this movie to me is like a feature length riff on the idea <laughs> of like the quote unquote supportive boyfriend as villain. Um, mm. So which is uh, which is uh, which was amusing to me once I started to think about that between that and Liz Lemon doing her, her microwave programming. Uh, but yes, what did you, wow, what did you make of this one? That's wild. Cause this movie is so intense and so Oof. dark and that you were yes. thinking about the devil wears Prada and <laughs> Liz Lemon yeah. the whole time. Against, <laughs> it's like you had my, a completely different experience. <laughs> my, my gayness is thick skinned. Yeah. Uh, that's really like your protection, your protection mm-hmm. methods. It's like, see this all as uh, <laughs> see them all as Muppets. <laughs> Exactly. I see them just the way Kenneth Parcell does. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, this actor, all, all this is not Ulrich or Alden. Alden. Eric. No. Keep trying. I'm done. 
I said what I said. I don't. <laughs> um, Alden Ehrenreich. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> we've we've discussed him before. He's like one of these three actors that are kind of interchangeable. He's an Oppenheimer with the other interchangeable versions of himself. Uh huh. And uh, and he had a great scene stealing role in Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers movie. Oh, that's where he sort of kind of came up, right? Was that kind of his first? Well, that was that was his, that was like a breakthrough. Well, he also played the lead in the fucking Solo movie, um, which was which should have made him a huge star because everyone cared about that movie, so uh, it didn't really do much for him. Fair enough. And then the lead actress, I know nothing about her. Yeah, so that's oh, Phoebe he's in Cocaine Bear. That's what it is. He plays oh, the sad right, guy. Yeah, Yes, he was also a cocaine bear. That's right. Um, I yeah, I interviewed him years ago for a movie, like a shitty YA movie he made called Beautiful Creatures. Um, but so Phoebe Divinor, I also did not. I knew her name. Uh, but so the, right now, a million of our listeners are screaming, she's from Bridgerton because um, she was the lead in the first season of Bridgerton. But I did not watch that. And I guess I, I did you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we can keep that moving, but no, okay. she, although she, she is, as you can plainly tell throughout this film, British. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, despite her best attempts to sound American. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, this, this is a very, like, even though I had my little like tee comparisons, like this movie made me so anxious that mm. my left eye nearly twitched itself blind. Oh my. Uh, like I, I developed a full eye twitch um, that like by the time it gets to the engagement dinner, my eye was like swelling shut. I was like, I can't take any more of this. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yours and everybody else's in the movie. Um, <laughs> yes. I kind of like the fact that I didn't really know who the actor, the the protagonists were. Um, mm. I feel like it kind of added to this, the story of them being sort of these like junior analysts um, in a sea of analysts in this very, you know, cutthroat environment. And it's like people are getting fired left and right. And I kind of added to the like, you know, nameless, faceless suits, interchangeability, um, coldness of it all. So I will Mm -hmm. say that I, I like that. I, that it wasn't like Jessica Chastain and sure. I don't know. Oscar Isaac. (laughs) What? Oscar Isaac. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, those two. Enough. Those two. Again, <laughs> enough already. Yeah. Um, this movie, uh, I sort of surprised myself with it. Um, okay, so the, the premise is that they are dating. They are both analysts at this hedge fund. And then they're, oh, I don't know what a PM is. Um, yeah, I was thinking portfolio manager is oh, my best my, guess. That's a good one. Yeah. But um, sort of like the head of all of these sort of analysts. Uh gets fired in a very, very intense dramatic scene. And there's a a position available. And these two seem to be madly in love. They have a very intense, very, you know, um, secret, but uh, seemingly good relationship. And then uh, the Alden Ernstein, his character's name is Luke. Uh, her character's name is Emily. Um, they think Luke's going to get it. They sort of hear rumors, and it turns out that it goes to Emily. Um, I, they go to work kind of the first day after this. She gets promoted, and she be, she's promoted to be his manager. And the moment she starts telling him things to do, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't work in an industry you're like on this. Side. You're, on side, you're on his side. You're on his side. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. 
I don't work in an industry like this. I don't know that, but like the way that they make you, the way that you feel the, what's going on in the room, you can see how this is never going to work. <laughs> no, no, indeed. And maybe it's his indeed. acting. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if it's the directing or the acting, uh, but it just immediately is like, there's no way in hell this is going to work. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And I think that's probably I think that's for sure the intended sort of a uh, takeaway of that he wants you to have is, you know, this this tension that starts to build. Right. Um, because he, he is. And I think it's important to hit again the the point that it is a secret relationship. They are keeping the relationship secret from their coworkers because they uh, they, they don't want people to know um, they you know, they want it to be a private things that they cannot be used against them in the office. And and also that, it, you know, won't be whether that be to, you know, sort of just fuck with them or to put them against each other. Turns out they don't need any help with that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it is, it is, it is very fascinating watching the arc of, of the, of these characters. And, and that's part of where that's really the beginning of the discomfort because up until that point, you know, the movie has a pretty straightforward, very kind of uh, not tense opening act where, yeah, because it needs to establish that these are two kids who seem to our eye just like madly in love. Like they have they have great chemistry. They're very passionate. <clears throat> this actually gets into one of the bizarre narratives about this movie. They premiered at Sundance this year where it sparked a whole conversation about the return to the 90s erotic thriller. Now, oh, like having watched it. Yeah. Having having watched it, does it remind you of a 90s erotic thriller? Not at all. No. No, this is a nonsense narrative. I feel like it reminded one person of disclosure. Um, and, <laughs> then, and then suddenly it's an erotic thriller. Uh, it is It is no. also, and also just the fact like, yeah, the characters have sex scenes in the movie. And just that is apparently now so rare in American films that people are like, oh, it's an erotic thriller um, because it has sex scenes and because it's very tense. Um, but no, it is not an erotic thriller and at I'll, all. I'll say why exactly, because... As the thrill, thrillerness of it goes up, the tension, the sex stops. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> they start out having a like a very sexual relationship, and then as soon as this sort of promotion situation happens, it stops until it hap- until things turn again. <laughs> but like in a way right. that isn't erotic, in a way that is rape. So like, right. it is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, um, yeah, that definitely we feel. The extent to which the movie is a power struggle between these two characters is very much, uh, very much plays out through their sexual encounters with one another over the course of the film. Um, and uh, and and this, you know, th- this sort of as we watch this chasm start to grow in their relationship, as uh, Luke's character again, like, could not be more loud and proud about supporting her in a way that very much harkens back to like. Bradley Whitford and and get out like I will vote for Obama mm-hmm. a third time you know uh, you know like it's very this is is this almost performative set level of support although he seems also very sincere I think like I think yeah. he wants to be supportive of her um, but then he just like he has that kind of you know the devil on his shoulder that's like no like that was yours you deserve this before you know he's studying the teachings of Tom Cruise's character of Magnolia um, and who's played by the guy it. from Mulholland Drive. <laughs> Who always freaks me out? So such a such a face on that one, Um, and uh, you know, and then you know, and things start to really the way this movie, which is I believe also a feature directorial debut by Chloe Demont, who wrote and directed the film, 
the way that it ratchets up the tension to the point that you feel like you are just in a vice. You're, mm. you're, your head is being squeezed by a vice. Uh, the way that it, 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 it does the professional tension, the personal tension. There's this added, like, just, like, fuck with you element of her mom repeatedly calling and screaming at her about she needs to schedule the fucking engagement party. And yeah. uh, and, and and you're with her screaming, not now, mom! <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I would like to see, like, a reverse version of this movie that's just, like, the her mom's mom version. Yes. <laughs> Just she's like, oh, she's being such a bitch today. I don't understand her. Meanwhile, she's yeah. feeding the dogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Basically, just like Linda Belcher. I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> uh, why you mad? Uh, so. <laughs> you know what this movie so. reminded me of? Um, don't worry, darling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that in the same way that sort of takes this like seemingly perfect happy couple and then just like sends them to hell. Um, oh yeah, like, and then it you know you feel like the the guy is emasculated and turns to a cult figure, and then loses his <laughs> right. fucking mind. Yes, yes, yes. The more details you remind me of, the more I'm like, yes, yes, that is true. Those things do happen in both of these movies. Um, yeah, and 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 this is you know I will say. As the movie was beginning, it was very slow burn for me. But as I'm saying, like it really, it had a massive sort of physiological impact on me. Um, and the the final scene is, I mean, like I had to end one way or another. And the way that it ends is, I guess we would say, a much more sort of like empowered ending. <laughs> <laughs> all um, things considered. All things considered. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, I think it almost ends, it, it airs on the side almost more of, of fantasy than of like, uh, sort of like the reality where it was sort of trying to take things in, in terms of just like her sort of being repeatedly undermined and demoralized. Um, but I mean, but, but I appreciate that that's not what Chloe DeMont wanted. She had not mm-hmm. wanted to sort of like have this like want, want ending where like ultimately, um, Emily's character, uh, is is destroyed because she is a, a woman in a man's game and you know and and sure her sex ultimately is used to you know send her out forever but i mean, so, but I mean at, the, yeah. at the end of the day there was still a rape that happened so i mean yes oh i'm not saying she gets off without anything happening oh yeah Yes. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's she she is she is thoroughly traumatized as as is any viewer right. um, by by the things that happened to her in that whole stretch of the movie. Um, and uh, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, given given that scene uh, that you're alluding to the what actually happens in the final scene, it almost it, it, it's sort of like at the very final moment, it becomes a revenge thriller. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like it's so funny because most revenge thrillers. You know, the inciting incident, like the incident between the two of them, like that would have happened at like the end of act one. Mm-hmm. And then the whole rest of the movie would have been her like putting her revenge together. Then this one, it's literally a denouement of revenge thriller where it just mm-hmm. goes all in on like just like this, this kind of like hard ass moment of like, oh, damn. OK. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting place to end the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then also just like structurally in terms of the story, it's, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. That's kind of just like a little exclamation point. You're going to go ahead and throw, uh, at, at the end of this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I felt I, I was, I bumped on it as like making sense with the rest of the movie tonally. Um, but I mean, it was fun to watch. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is, this is. 
and they and they both i mean they both played the hell out of it like both of them are just like they both are going marriage story level in mm. terms of the intensity they bring to these scenes um so i don't know if it'll also become a meme of uh no no wall punches <laughs> uh, to, to turn this one into a meme but i don't know what, what did you what did you think of the of the ending and, and all that stuff yeah um i mean the ending i agree with you saying about like a like a weird place to end but but also like the whole kind of pacing of the movie is a little unsettling um and and, mm-hmm. and i don't mean that like in a critical way but mm-hmm. even the 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 news of the promotion happens and and the twist of it changes like very quickly into the movie. Um, and then all the different layers of how that, that pans out, which means that like from the beginning of the movie, um, we're all they're in a vice and we feel that vice, as you mentioned, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what the feeling is there. There is again, like the first time she comes to his desk, I'm like, this is never going to work. And also I don't see how (laughs) there's going to be a way out of this for anybody here. And then you're just kind of, we're all squirming in that, um, like claustrophobic heating up oven of this movie. Um, so Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that the ending being a little, um, unexpected is, was like a nice release. Yeah, it definitely is a release. I mean, that's, that, that's a, that's a great putting it because it is sort of in that final scene, he does kind of, try to pull the ultimate kind of gaslighting um, after after the unimaginable that has just occurred. And I think that in that moment, she becomes the voice of so many women who also are watching it. Whenever she calls him out, she was like, like basically like, how dare you come in here acting sane now? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, how dare you act like every, like now you're a normal person um, after everything um, that had just happened? Like Scott wandered into the room when I was watching it. Like first, um, uh, when he comes into the conference room when she's giving the presentation. Oh my god! Like so, so he saw that with no context, um, <laughs> and then he like wandered back out. Then he wandered back in during like the the showdown at the engagement party, and again just kind of stared for a few minutes. I'm just like, why are you only walking in on these scenes? Like I cannot. <laughs> I, I, I feel compelled to tell you what's happening, but I know you don't care, and you're just kind of like staring quizzically at the TV. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean like to go through all those scenes, and then for him to just be like. Hey, it's me, your sane boyfriend. What's wrong? Yeah, you know, let's get, let's take some space. You know, the got to SF. <laughs> I'm like, of course, of course he's he is. SF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Again, I think that I, I I started off with this, but I I really felt like you know in my very fortunate working experience with the way I think about gender and and the workplace, I was very surprised at how quickly. I had no expectations that this was going to work out well. <laughs> I was, I, and I think the movie was uh, a credit for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it really, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we see that right away. And then it's sort of like, we're wondering like, okay, well, like, obviously this is, anytime there's like a role shift like that leads to sort of identity tension at work, then like, yeah, like you just kind of, it takes a beat and you're just going to try to work through it. And she also and, and she's probably thinking like, well, no, he understands, though, because I cannot be seen as showing him any favoritism. I have to treat him the way that any PM would treat him. And he knows that that's ultimately good for both of us because then we can continue our relationship and we're going to get married and we're going to have my like my PM salary and that I can, I can lift him up. But then, of course, then she then when she really starts to get trapped is as she starts to find out how the boss really feels about him. That's the, OK. Uh, so that's the real horror of the movie. <laughs> 
other than the <laughs> sexual violence is that I think right. it's everyone's worst nightmare is that somebody that you know at work gets promoted and then they get fi- they find out that everyone thinks you're terrible at your job. <laughs> <laughs> right. So between this and and your and your um you know your clipboard survey revelation, you have lots of <laughs> lots of lots of lots of bombshells going off uh, in this week's movies. It yes. happens so yes. fast. They're like they still haven't celebrated. This whole movie takes place in like a week. It's like I know. they get engaged and then that doesn't last a minute before it's like <laughs> just completely off the table. It was it was on the table yeah. for like 12 hours. Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, a brief, a brief, a shining moment of happiness, <laughs> um, followed by like a, a Valdar's von Trier level descent into madness. <laughs> um, I don't know about this one. I feel like it gets a consumer moderation for me. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel like I can give it a binge it, but I, I do think it is like worth watching. Yeah, I would agree. It's like consume, consume plus, you know, like, because I really, as I'm watching it, I was just thinking like, oh, I'm unimpressed. I'm unimpressed. But then I haven't really been able to stop thinking about it since. Yeah, it, since it same. Ended. I um, wanted to be unimpressed, I think, because I'm like, oh, this is like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I had like biases about it being about business and uh, yeah. people in suits, but <laughs> sure, it's sticking sure. with me. It's sticking with me. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely stuck with me as well. And I've wanted to other people to watch it to talk to them about it and get their thoughts. And and yeah, I mean I cannot shake more than anything. It's not even that I keep thinking about it so much as I just like keep thinking about how I feel. <laughs> I still mm. feel this movie in my body. Mm. Uh so I have to give it credit just for the filmmaking, if nothing else. Um but yeah, I'll 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 go with you and stick on the on the consume level. It's uh streaming on Netflix and it is rated R. The last movie of the week is No One Will Save You. Bryn finds solace within the walls of the home where she grew up until she's awakened one night by strange noises from unearthly intruders. Speaking of movie movies with uh, wacky endings. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um, so this movie is about aliens. And I did watch uh, an interview with the director and the interviewee, interviewer had asked him, um, so you went with the gray aliens. And he said, I had to bring my boys back. <laughs> and I love that. Classic alien. I had to Just, bring my boys back. Uh. You know, egg sh- exaggerated egg-shaped head, fly-like mm-hmm. eyes, gray, yeah. kind of like clay-like skin. Loved it. All those spider, spider-like legs. Oh yeah, there was some uh, some, some uh, liberties taken with the appendages. <laughs> liberties but... were taken. Yes, yes, and we see we see those faces at close range, mm-hmm. very close range in this movie. Uh, it is about aliens, but it's also about trauma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you saying it like Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> because yes, that's trauma, what Soul has been doing all trauma. morning <laughs> yes I, I was like it, that's why I said it's about Curtis. aliens but it's about trauma and then she just kept being like yeah, trauma. trauma it's about trauma it's about trauma <laughs> <laughs> It is about trauma because it is still the year is still it's still any year in the last fucking 10 years. And every horror movie is really or sci fi is just about trauma trauma. Uh, But, you know, at least in the case of this one, um, the lead actress is Caitlin Deaver, who is just wonderful in everything and has essentially a one man show um, to perform in this film where she is 
on screen for virtually every frame. Mm-hmm. And also, and I even really noticed this until I watched this with Bethine. She pointed out that like, there's no dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, they like, did also mentioned that in the interview that I watched that. Um, so they made that like, kind of a, a bigger deal about that in, in the, in, mm-hmm. in the director was like, I don't, I want that to be kind of an Easter egg that you find it out while you're watching it. Not that like, that's the reason to watch this movie. Um, and he very much credited, um, Caitlin Deaver with Mm -hmm. the acting to be able to carry that through and that it wasn't intentional. It well, like when he was writing it, he wasn't writing a movie without dialogue. It just seemed like he, as you kept writing what would happen, it didn't seem necessary that there would be dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like a a gimmick and it doesn't feel like a gimmick in the movie either. No, it doesn't. And I it's yeah, it's not like the, you know, silent episode of Buffy or whatever, you know, like or hush, uh, you know, like it, it's it's truly like I think we were probably over an hour into it when Beth was like, wait, there's been no dialogue in this movie. And I, and I wanted to correct her. I'm like, no, that's not true, because like I, I Caitlin Deaver makes such a vivid emotional impression in every scene that like you understand what she is thinking at every single moment mm-hmm. as the movie goes on. And like, and you, you feel her emotion so vividly that it's as if you've been watching people using dialogue, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was gagged when I realized that there had actually not been a single word. Um, I, I couldn't believe it because the, the movie pulls off such a remarkable thing in that sense, because at no point was I thinking like, Oh wow, no one's really said anything for a while. And and it is thanks entirely to her her performance because she is just so immediate. Her emotions are so immediate on her face at every second that like you yeah you feel like she's talking. Um, it's it's a remarkable thing. Uh, I mean that said, there are a few lines. Yeah, there's very like few. yeah yeah, uh, but yeah, there's like what like when she hears her friend's parents like talking when she runs into them in public or whatever. Uh, but vir- vir- virtually none. Yes. Virtually no dialogue. Um, and no other real kind of characters of note. Um, you know, there's there's a few that are introduced just so we understand more about her trauma. Mm. Um, uh, but otherwise, it's just kind of her just like bopping, you know, bopping around in a big country house, bopping around the town, bopping around the cemetery, and then uh, and then bopping around the aliens. Uh, <laughs> which, you know. <laughs> that is because I write synopses for a living. So I can tell you that that's the best way of saying what happened in this movie. Uh, the, uh, you're not very good at your job. Is... <laughs> your, your boss has told me you're not very good at your job. <laughs> like, how can I put this? You are Luke. <laughs> I am Emily. Your engagement's over and you're about your job. <laughs> also, I have a knife. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> this, uh, this the first you know this is a movie where like the first half of it or so <clears throat> I thought I think is so just airtight uh, like it is the you know in terms of how the alien invasion in this movie plays out you know a lot of people compare this movie to Signs because that was another movie where you kind of are, are witnessing an alien invasion in a very like intimate way through the story of just one household um, so. This really uh, kind of one ups that movie for me in terms of like the suspense that it generates Mm. uh, through uh, its depiction of her in the house while the invasion begins. And then as this sort of this situation continues to play out. Um, And I I would say the movie had me for most of its running time. But then it was sort of toward the end that I start it started to lose me a little bit. And then the finale kind of lost me entirely. Mm. Um, 
uh, I, 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 I was like, I wonder if they're trying to say this. And I read the interview with the director and I was like, okay, that is what they were trying to say. And Beth's like, no. Uh, <laughs> we're just like, this is, this is very silly. This has taken a very bizarre, silly turn um, that also is, doesn't even make sense with sort of what the aliens had just been doing to her mere moments before when they sent in the clone and all that stuff. Um, it just, yeah, it was, it was, it was hard. It was, it was, it was, it really, yeah, this is, this is more than a lot of movies I can remember recent memory, a movie where the ending really unraveled almost all the goodwill toward it that I had. Did you say that you read something about the meaning of the ending? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I can send you the article, mm. um, if you want, but yeah, no, basically. Well, do like, you want to just spoil it? It's been out at this point. <laughs> it has been out. Well, yeah. So go ahead and turn, turn it, turn it off now. Uh, if you guys don't want to hear any reference to what happens in the closing moments of uh, no one will save you. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, essentially it is that like the aliens were like moved by her trauma <laughs> and they decide to spare her um, and let her continue to live this, you know, and basically turn the whole world into her like her little like um, uh, play her. Not not toy boxes. <laughs> Why am I explaining what those are called? Doll houses. Uh <laughs> 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 um, you know, where she gets to live this sort of like dollhouse type life like forever because now everything is like under control by these alien forces that are that are wanting her that are just somehow catering to her trauma and you know in in setting up this kind of dollhouse world for her um where she doesn't have to be confronted anymore by her yeah. trauma. So uh, I didn't get the end. I thought I was just going to, so I saw this movie this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I had been wanting to see it and then I kept putting it off. Soul doesn't like horror movies. So I had to wait for the right time, which was this morning. Um, mm. And I, I was with it. I also, at the end, I did not understand what it was supposed to mean. And then I was like, Oh, I just haven't thought about it enough. Um, this tracks and I don't mind it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's. I don't think it's the resolution that we wanted, mm-hmm. right? See, see. So what happens is <laughs> she's bobbing around this house by herself because she um, does not engage with society anymore because her local town uh, hates her. Her mother passed away because she accidentally, about a decade earlier, killed her friend. And has been living with the trauma of that this whole time and manages to make a, a living. It looks like sewing Etsy things and send, sending them out, but is basically a recluse. Um, alien. One thing that I did hear also from that, um, the director was the idea is that, you know, an alien invasion comes one day. And, and what happens if you see it from the perspective of someone who is a recluse? Um, mm-hmm. And. So that's what it is. She's also very resilient. She's very clever. She, I was, I, I felt um, when it came to like Alien Three, <laughs> that she had engaged with. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it was cool that all the different aliens, although looking pretty similar, all had their own. Like there was the <laughs> the, the bad boy and the smart one, and the <laughs> 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 there was the Michelangelo and the one, <laughs> the, the Raphael, who's just like a loose cannon. It was subtle, but you could tell how they were different from each other. But when it got to like the big one, I was like, okay, um, how many one-off aliens are we going to see? Because clearly there are a bunch of them and we can't keep doing this forever. But then we get into this moment where she, she, she has the parasite that everybody sort of has and 
that parasite gives her her ideal life, um, which mm. she decides not to do, which I was like, is this about medication? Is this like a Scientology no. thing about medication? <laughs> I can't tell. Um, mm. Then they send down this doppelganger, which is uh, also, uh, also an alien um, that she has to kill. And then there's this moment of like, okay, is this about... Um, I do all these different aliens represent the different sort of groups of people that have um, judged her and made her life horrible. And she's like slowly killing them. The, you know, the first alien is kind of representative of the trauma that happens. She hits this alien in the head. The second alien is like the townspeople. And then like the third alien is kind of herself. Is she, is she now able to forgive herself and move forward? Um, and so you kind of are hoping for this parallel of her growth with these different encounters. Um, so that in that way, the, the ending where the aliens just make everything perfect for her mm-hmm. isn't great. But at the same time, yeah, aliens do whatever they want. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. We're like, oh, we're going to have this great growth moment. It's like, never mind. Aliens are going to play toy box with this woman <laughs> on Earth. I'm okay with it. You're like, I am not someone to question uh, alien agency. Mm-mm. So I feel yeah, like, listen. I respect their uh, their familiarity with the subject matter, and I defer to their expertise. My boys do what they uh, want to do. Yes, exactly. You bring the boys back, then you got the boys do what they want to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, similarly, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to unpack all, like, the seemingly loaded symbolism of all of this as it's continuing, and then, yeah, the ending just kind of throws a bit of a wrench into it, and he, the director basically said, like, yeah, I just kind of wanted to have a happy ending. Um, I thought it would be nice to have, have a <laughs> and you're like, great, love it. Love a happy ending. Works she's for been me. through. Get him. She, oh, <laughs> she admittedly, she's been through a lot. <laughs> she's been having a time. Oh, she's been having a tough time. <laughs> she's been having a tough time by over the course of this movie. No, I saw this actress and she was in front of me at Largo like two nights ago. Oh. And, uh, and, and of oh. course she's like, and of course she's like 410. And she's like, you know, just, you I'm go- just like looking at her. <laughs> yeah. <Behind her. laughs> yes, but for unrelated reasons. Um, <laughs> I'm just making cat noises. Uh, that's when it catches she a bird. Logan Lur- she had Logan Lerman with her, uh, so yes, that's why I was making the noises. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I was uh, in awe of her of her of her presence uh, after having having just watched that movie days earlier. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that uh, this is another movie where there's still there's still so much that's so great about it. As we're saying, she is. I mean, she truly like goes through it in this movie. Um, and there's not a false note in her whole performance. Like she she registers the extreme um, emotion at every turn, um, no matter how intense things get. You know, she manages to keep what we are talking about. Essentially, there's like a solid sustained hour of, of unceasing alien attacks on her. Um, and she manages to like portray them all in a way that was believable. Um, and, you know, like we're saying that the remarkable technical achievement of them having virtually no dialogue without it being noticeable, um, you know, just the way that they, the way they build the tension for the first half or so of the alien attacks. But yeah, it's, it has, it has third act issues for me. Um, but I still, I'm still, I'm still going to give it a consume. Um, I, I certainly would not send it back. Like, I think there's a lot to admire about this movie, uh, which is for me makes the third act that much more frustrating, but I think it's, it's still a remarkable achievement. Um, I'm giving it a binge it. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, sounds like someone can save you. And that someone is Rebecca with the binge. It. <laughs> uh, just a, a stellar performance. 
I was engrossed the whole time, a little grossed out some of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do love, I love that, that ending. We're like, Oh, let's just build, let's build something. Let's, Oh, we're going to fix people. And then it's like, no, we're just, uh, we're the playthings of aliens, much like, uh, fair play. We're all just the mm-hmm. playthings of the powerful. <laughs> we all have our little internal, little personal dramas going on, but it's not up to us. It's up to our drama. <laughs> That's it. That's it's it. uh, it's uh, this one's streaming league, uh, streaming exclusively on Hulu, and it's rated PG thirteen. Uh, and then that is it. That is it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this um segment of Times episode of the Binge. <laughs> we appreciate it, and uh, I think we're going to be back soon. <laughs> I, think so. and, um, I think we're gonna be back yes. soon. <laughs> our, our traditional sign off yes <laughs> whenever the aliens allow us to come back yes indeed bye-bye binging on movies with rebecca and jason you made it to the end that's amazing there, there goes, goes the binge. binge so i'm recording it there but like just in case I have it. Now we'll record there as well. Just in case Jason feels like he's not getting heard, record there as well. Imagine if it was like only your voice and just like long, long, long stretches of silence. (laughs) Like long. Yeah. (laughs) And then you being like, I don't. Yeah. I I was also. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that about says it. So, moving on to the next one. <laughs>